Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Corner, llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal, marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner, 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 Gunner thing, Gunner man. Gunner blogger guy. The Gunner blog man. There you are. Hello, here I am. How are you? I'm okay. I, I clearly can't say Gunner blog. Well, you haven't done a podcast for a full seven days. You know, you're out of practice. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Summer's taking its toll. You're on the beach, you know. Literally. I mean, are you actually? No, no, no I'm, I'm on a chair. Uh, similar. We're, there are chairs on beaches sometimes. Yeah, I don't like chairs on beaches. I prefer to lie down on the sand on a towel. I'd say, I was going to say, make sure you put a towel between you and said sand. Yeah. It would be quite uncomfortable after a while. It would be, it would be. But what, why, what's your issue with chairs? Do you feel like it's just, if you want to sit in a chair... There are loads of chairs not on the beach. Why are you taking a be- chair all the way down to the beach? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't bring a sofa. You wouldn't bring a chaise lounge. You wouldn't bring one of those to the beach. No. I do I do remember when I lived in Spain and people would come down to, to the beach. Families would come down to the beach, let's say, on a Sunday. And they would bring literally uh, uh, furniture. Seriously, they would bring a table and fold-up chairs and an umbrella. And they would, you know, camp set up camp on the beach at some point and they'd all sit around and they'd eat food and eat sandwiches and go into the sea and stuff but it seemed like an awful lot of hassle to me I never wanted to bring furniture to the beach and so is I, it all fold up yeah fold up chairs fold up table yeah fold up bed wardrobe yeah exactly shade <laughs> exactly it was all fold up so you know there's, there's a market there if uh, if uh, climate change ever provides the UK and Ireland with uh, real you know good weather all the time uh, there's a market there for somebody to get in quickly to make foldable furniture that you can take to the beach. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, but apart from that, uh, I'm fine. Uh, how are you? How was your weekend? Very good. I was supposed to be uh, in Marseille originally. Oh! I was, I was planning to have been in Marseille this weekend, but events took a turn and I wasn't there. Uh, maybe. Banning order, was it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe for the best. I mean, mm. to be fair, I can get in quite a lot of trouble in Hackney. It, it transpires, you know, yeah. I can get held up at gunpoint wherever I go. So what violence the f- <laughs> follows me around. I'm just trying to think how bad it would have been. It was bad, obviously, what happened. But if you had been there, chances are somebody would have set off a thermonuclear device or something. Well, somebody would have certainly perished and it certainly would have been me. So, mm. um, yes, I, uh, that was all... Rather grim, wasn't it? It was a bit. We, I mean, so I remember you saying a couple of weeks ago that you were going over for a couple of games. So that was one of the ones you were you were going over for. I was going to be there. I, was, I would be there right now. I'd be in Paris, uh, preparing to watch Ireland Sweden, and Sweden. Ireland. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. But uh, and I was coming back tomorrow. However, other actual work, you know, intervened, so it wasn't to be the case. But. Uh, I'll be honest, when I when I got that news, I was disappointed, as you would be, but mm. I was also a little bit relieved. I did have a kind of strange, premonition-y feeling that it might not be the most... Well, I don't think you had to be a genius to figure out it might not be the most pleasant occasion. Yeah. Um, but my, my concerns about the security were not necessarily those ones. Do you know what I mean? Right. That was the sort of the thing about the whole incident in Marseille that I found most... I think I'd, I'd forgotten about what the danger football fans... Well, probably not football fans, but people at football matches can be unto themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was a bit of a that was a bit of a dampener, wasn't it? On the on the Euro festivities. Yeah, it was a bit. I was ter- it's fucking 
just shit to see, to be perfectly mm. honest, because it overshadows the football. And, you know, the vast majority of people are there uh, to support their countries, to, to support their teams, to have a good time. And the reality of it is that, you know, most people can go to football and uh, have a laugh and have a few drinks and not get involved in any kind of violence at all. But there are this minority of people that, that spoil it or who are prepared, if things go a bit uh, leery, to get involved themselves rather than just get the fuck away from it. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a throwback, isn't it? A bit of a shame that it's, uh, that it, that it's all gone down that way. I don't know if you read um, an article in the Irish Times. You probably haven't at this point, but I put it up on Twitter. An article by Ken Early from Second Captains. I did read it. Yeah, yeah it's very good. It is excellent. So I'd uh, recommend people to, to check that out. It's uh, Ken Early, Russians go to war with an English myth. But basically, he's talking about how the English fans... Um, well, not necessarily uh, to blame for some of the uh, some of the stuff that's happened. Um, behave in a way that sort of attracts trouble, and then you get the Russians coming in and and really sparking it all off. Um, it, it's a very good piece, and obviously he's he's in Marseille at the moment. Um, or maybe he's on his way to Paris to watch Ireland. I'm not sure, but he's in Marseille and uh, and was caught up in it. So he's obviously looking at it from his from his own uh, perspective. But yeah, a bit a bit of a shame. Um, and you you know particularly what happened in the stadium then. I mean that yeah, that was really shocking. I think yeah. the most. The most troubling thing about that was that, you know, it was very obvious to people, there were tweets going around from journalists before the game saying, well, the cordon between the Russian fans and the English fans looks a bit flimsy, a bit insubstantial, there's not great stewarding. Mm. Um, it was very obvious, I think, to everyone looking at it that that was going to be an issue. So it proved at full time. And I also think the fact that fans were able to get flare guns into the stadium yeah, uh, that's a real concern. Yeah, that, that was a bit of a worry, wasn't it? Because uh, whatever about... Um, it kicking off on the streets or in bars where people have been outside drinking all day, mm. um, you know, which is a contributory factor, of course. Um, whatever about that, when somebody can take a flare gun into a stadium in the current in the current climate, you know what I mean. You know when I talk about that, of course. Yeah. Um, after things, other things that we've seen this weekend that have been profoundly distressing and, and depressing, um, and very upsetting when it comes to weapons and guns, that somebody could could take a flare gun in because you know if you can take a flare gun in without any problem, you can take whatever else, uh, uh, whatever other kind of gun in you want if you were so inclined. And as we saw at the Stade de France uh, last year. Uh, was it last year or earlier this year? I can't. can't I think quite... earlier. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's terrible. I can't remember. Mm. I think maybe the end of last year. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been. But yeah, when you see what happened there and the, the last year, yeah, yeah, so people were intent on doing some damage and, and uh, wreaking destruction and havoc uh, inside a football stadium. To me, that was really, really worrying. Uh, that the security measures that they put in place. I mean, that they can't. You know, all we've heard about in the build-up to this tournament is security and the terror threat and the alerts and everything else and one of the first games somebody's able to bring in a flare gun and fire it from one side of the stadium to the other I mean what the fuck is going on there yeah I mean it's crazy isn't it yeah um, I mean it'll be interesting as well to see how what sanctions UEFA takes I mean they've made a very strongly worded statement but they've done that mm. kind of thing before and not necessarily followed through on it uh, it's not as if a country like Russia for example are on their first warning here, so yeah. I don't know. It'd be fascinating to see what kind of action they take. It's always a, a complicated one, though, isn't it? About how do you punish a football association or punish a team effectively for yeah. the conduct of its fans? Yeah, it's very true. And then you know, there's part of me as well that looks at the way that football is run by UEFA, by FIFA, by all these people in charge, um, and you wonder if the way that they behave is not in some way a factor in this as well. And I'm not trying to excuse violence or condone violence or anything like that, but um, you have to look at root causes of things. And I think when FIFA and UEFA and football associations and Premier Leagues and everything else, when they treat fans and broadcasters, the whole lot of it comes together, they treat fans in a way that that begets 
poor behavior in certain ways. And again, I'm not condoning it, but you look at the way that the World Cup was awarded to Russia and uh, its treatment of gay people, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And you're, you're telling people, uh, football fans, that, oh, it's okay, you can go there and we can have a World Cup there, it's fine. And you look at Qatar and the human rights abuses there and people who are literally dying essentially slaves dying to build football stadiums so we can have a World Cup in the winter because it's too hot to have it in the summer because basically this country has paid for the World Cup to take place there. You know, what sort of of a message are you sending to people that the game is utterly uh, corrupt and that the behavior of uh, certain people who associate themselves with the game is going to be reflected in that too? I just, you know, I just think it's all part of one, a bigger thing. You know, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, uh, people say justifiably and understandably that the these people involved in the violence out in France are an embarrassment to to football. Yeah, but I also think that some of these bodies and organisations are as well. Yeah, and I don't think what's happening in Marseille, for example, should deflect from that. I think that you know, awarding the World Cup to Russia or to Qatar, obviously, obviously, is, was a, a grave mistake and something that. It's going to have some repercussions. I mean, it's really sad though. I'm literally on the BBC Football website right now, and there's a story there on the top of the page, and it says, "Euro 2016, tell us your stories from France." And instead of the picture of you know some fans celebrating or a great goal going in, yeah. it's a picture of a an you know a football fan with his head in his hands, with the streets strewn with violence around yeah. him. Uh, let's hope by the end of the tournament those aren't the stories that are proliferating. Yeah. Um, have you been watching the football then? I, I have. I have been watching bits and pieces of it. I didn't see any yesterday. I saw a little bit of the, the Croatia-Turkey game, but I've, mm-hmm. been watching, I've been watching bits and pieces of it over the weekend. I saw the, the opening game, um, France against uh, Romania. Won some money on Olivier yes. Giroud. Olivier Giroud did you a favour. He certainly did. And in the pub on Friday night, we had uh, like a two euro. Everyone went in on first goal scorer. Who's, you know, everyone put two euros on the table. And uh, I picked Giroud again. So not only did I win money from the bookies, I ended up with uh, about 16 euros from uh, all the chaps I was out in the pub with. So that was good. Thank you, Olivier Giroud. You are a true hero. Very nice. I've actually backed him to win the golden boot in the tournament. Do you know what? So have I. Yeah. I think I don't, I, I don't. Is it crazy? Are we crazy? Yeah, I mean, maybe. It just strikes me as a typically Giroud thing to do, though. Yeah. You know, win the, or be the, the, the most, um, or score the most goals at the tournament and still have people go, is he any good? Is he any yeah. crazy? <laughs> you know, I, so it's, it just struck me as that was, uh, that would be a typically Giroud thing. Actually, I don't know. I think I have Giroud to, this is my, my long bet, Germany to win and. Olivier Giroud was top goal scorer. Odds of right. eighty-one to one. Not bad. Yeah, I think I've got I've got Giroud to win and France to win. Right. What did you get That's on that? I'm not I'm quite good. I think about a hundred hundred. I don't know. I can't remember. Can't right. remember. Fair enough. I know I stand to win over a hundred quid, and right. I put only a couple of quid on it, so it was obviously a good bet. Right. But uh, I've I've been saying France for two years, so. They'll make me look a fool. If they, I'll, I'll have a prediction wrong. Can you believe it? Me I, of all people. I know this is this would be unprecedented, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it would break the internet. Um, but yeah, obviously, I mean, if he if he wins the golden boot of the competition, perfect excuse as well for Arsenal Wenger to not buy a striker. Arsenal fans collectively probably excited and terrorized. Well, you know what? I have aspects. seen I have seen that over the weekend. Some tweets really? and some Facebook comments of like, oh God, it's well, I like Giroud and it's great that he scored and I hope he does well, <laughs> but what if what if by not scoring, too well. Yeah, yeah, not too well. What if he does so well that Arsene Wenger says, I don't need a striker at all? Which, you know, I, I understand to a certain extent, but I think it's uh, it's pretty much uh, worst case scenario stuff you know I, I, think, I don't well, think the that's going to change this summer more than any other I think numerically we need a striker you know with Welbeck being out we, mm. we literally need need one in the squad so yeah. we can rest assured that I think one will arrive at sure. some point sure okay so then uh, obviously uh, uh, in between all the violence uh, there was an England game that was there was uh, an England game yeah which I watched from the, the comfort of my my brother's flat um, and England did you watch it yeah yeah I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some sort of curious nationalism is stirring in me. But I thought England actually played quite well for England. I thought they played really well in the first half. 
Yeah. The, in the first, first half, half they were excellent, and then Russia did something like tried. I think it might have been they, they started trying they started or organising try. themselves. Yeah. It was some something annoying and unfair. Yeah. And suddenly England didn't look quite as good. No, they and didn't. The, the keeper made an unbelievable save. Akinfeyev. I thought that was a brilliant save. I think they got slightly lost amidst the equaliser. But do you know what I mean? Where he tipped Rooney's shot onto yeah, the bar. Yeah, that was actually brilliant. There was a brilliant... Mm. was shades of that uh, Gordon Banks save from Pelé yeah. in the 1970 World Cup. Because he got so low and tipped it so high. Yeah. Um, I thought Rooney should have still scored, though. Probably. From probably that position. Should have done. And then, uh, obviously, they got the equaliser... So, I mean, it was very typical. I mean, obviously, there are plenty of jokes going around, but if if it looks like Spurs, it probably is Spurs, isn't it? That's the thing. <laughs> if it looks Five like Tottenham a Spurs, in white. Yeah. yeah, looks like a Spurs, talks like a Spurs. It's a Spurs. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look at what, what did I thought the free kick. I was looking at it, going Eric Dyer taking a free kick. Like, I still don't quite get what Eric Dyer is or what he does or why he is. No, he's a curious footballer, and one I haven't seen loads of. So. Um, but I actually thought he played quite well on that. It was a great free kick. He, according to Opta, I think it's Opta Jose, he hasn't taken a direct free kick in his two seasons of Premier League football. So what was... I mean, hang on a second. So here, <laughs> let me just let me just see if I can make some sense of this. A man who's never taken a free kick in his professional career, or at least two seasons in the Premier League. Mm. England have a free kick. And obviously it was justified because he scored it, even though I think the keeper was a bit dodgy. But... Here we are. England have a free kick outside the box. Wayne Rooney is there. He's a guy who normally takes free kicks. Harry Kane. He loves taking set pieces, pointlessly. Harry Kane apparently is so good at taking set pieces that Mm. England's main striker is out taking corners on which you would like your main striker to be on the end of, right? That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the ideal situation. Maybe Harry Kane is just a really rubbish header of the ball, although he did score a header against us, didn't he? The big fucking open-mouth bastard. He did, Big loopy yeah. one last year. Sorry to be Mr. Stats again, but I think he's only scored one header from a corner last season. However, right. that doesn't mean he can't head the ball. Right, OK. I don't, I don't quite get why it is that he's um, he's taking the corners. No, I, don't I, I wouldn't have that the case either. Yeah, so why then, if he's so good at taking set pieces... If he's the man who's got the delivery, if he's the guy who can hit the ball sweetly every time, because that's what you want from your set-piece taker, you want consistency, you want accuracy, you want power, you want all these things that Harry Kane is apparently so good at that he's taking corners, why the hell didn't he take the free kick? Great question. I mean, I'm you know, as an Englishman, I was glad he didn't. But, uh, yeah, very strange. I think Dyer's sort of, you know, he's, he's taken on a few long shots or... A couple of free kicks where the ball's sort of been laid off to him and he's just put his foot through it. But mm. that was a quite a delicately placed strike, you know, the mm. inside of his foot. Weird. No one knew he had that in his locker. But the keeper, yeah, could have done better. That seems to be a bit of a recurring theme in the tournament so far. Yeah. In previous years, we'd all be talking about the ball, wouldn't we? We'd be talking about, oh, what's going on with this ball? Yeah, I think yeah, keepers have stopped using that uh, excuse. These crazy new low or whatever. It's the roundest balls. ball ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there have been a few keeper missiles. Like I thought the Modric's uh, strike yesterday was very good. Like lovely yeah. hit when the ball fell to him. But keeper, come on. Come on. Get down. Yeah, just get down. I know it's one of those where they say it's really awkward because it bounced just in front of him. But that's your whole fucking job, guy. It's your whole job. The ball bounces in front of you and you stop it. You know, you've trained your entire Balls life. Bounce. Yeah. That's day one of goalkeeping school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Balls bounce. They don't just I, land and go... It was a good skip. goal, that. It was right out of the Matthew Flamini textbook, wasn't it? It was, yeah. He's obviously been watching Flamini for, for quite some time. Yeah, Studying his, his idol. Yeah. Top Real Madrid midfielder um, studies Flamini to score European Championships goal. Um, but yeah. And, and then, okay, so back to England... Back to England. Back to England, yeah. All right, I had a treble on that day. I had a treble. I had Switzerland to win. Yeah. 1-0, that was good. I came in just at the end of the Switzerland game, and uh, this Albanian guy has gone clean through on goal, and I'm going, ah, for fuck's sake, Jesus, I'm going to lose here. And the keeper made a brilliant save. He did. It was one of those where the player didn't really believe he was onside, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. Play the whistle, guy. 
Um, and then Wales against um, Wales again. Who, who, who did Wales play? Slovakia. Slovakia, that's what it was. Uh, so then it was 1 0, and I was thinking it was great. So I went off to buy some beer and I came back in. It was 1 1. I was like, oh, God, maybe I'll cash out. And then uh, the Wales scored. So that was 2 1. So England then scored. They're 1 0 up and they're offering me a cash out. And I took it. I had to take it. You took it? I took it, yeah, before Russia scored, yeah. So well, I, I won the money. Fair play. Mm. Fair play. Because I didn't see Russia scoring in that game, I have to be honest. They they were rubbish for very long periods. Yeah, I mean, even when they played a bit better in the second half, they didn't look terribly threatening, did they? They didn't look like a side that was going to trouble England too much. Joe Hart didn't have a lot to do. He could concentrate on his dandruff, counting his flakes. That's right. You know? Exactly that. They had a very tall striker, and that was about it. Um, and yeah, great goal. I mean, a really good header for mm. the equaliser. Mm. Yeah, one of those loopy ones that's going it's going to either just bounce off the crossbar or just under and just yeah. under. Uh, perfect. So, bit of a signal, though. Bit of a signal. Bit of a signal for England, maybe. I mean, especially with Wales winning. Um, makes the group very, very interesting. Mm. Good to see Aaron Ramsey as well, sporting his new, his new haircut that you care so much about. Yep. He got a sort of an assist by falling over. Did you catch that? <laughs> I did, yeah. It was good. Well, it was a nice bit of play. It was. You know, he was, was I think he was looking for a foul and he sort of, you know, he sort of played the ball to the side of the defender and stumbled and then tucked away by son of Brian Robson and Carno. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good to see him on the score sheet. Uh, glad it was Brian Robson, not, not Robson from Robson and Jerome. No, that's yeah. true. There were a few Robsons in contention. Which one of them is in uh, Game of Thrones? Is it Robson or Jerome? I don't know. Are they like Anton Deck, where they always stand one on a certain side of the screen? I don't know. If you look at Anton Deck, they're always the same, left to right. Are they? Yeah, Ant's always on the left. Right. They they read like, you know, westernised books, left to right. Right. Helpful tip there. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same with Robson and Jerome. Okay. I'm just uh, looking... We'll have to keep an eye out. It is. It's Jerome who's in Game of Thrones. He's Bronn. Is it Bronn? I think in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't know what Robson's up to. I think he's presenting travel programs. Really? I think so. Okay. I think so. Um, currently, and- actually, I've got him here because I just looked up. He's currently he plays Detective Inspector Geordie Keating on ITV's Grant Chester. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Grant Chester just sounds like a man's name. Yeah. It sounds um, like a made-up uh, football team from uh, Dream Team or something, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Grant Chester United. Grant Chester Rovers or whatever, yeah. Uh, and what else happened? Oh, Shaka, Shaka, Shaka. I saw Granite Shaka play a match of football. I didn't. I didn't. Ah. I didn't see any of so it. But you aren't able to reach a complete conclusion on him yet. No, I'm not. those who did see him play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One guy t- tweeted me at halftime going, this guy looks terrible, like another Wenger dud. Get rid of him. What a load of ball. You know, you're going, mate, it's 45 minutes of an international game when he's not even playing for us. And basically, you're the only person saying that he's no good. Everyone else is going... Oh, I like this. Did you see his tackle tackle in the first five minutes? Uh, Yeah, I think I saw saw a clip of that, all right, yeah. He, he, like Luka Modric, has been watching Matthew Flamini. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely steamed into this bloke. Yeah. I mean, you know, big day for him. His brother was on the other team. Can you imagine how riled up that would get you? That would be a big game. It'd be great. Fantastic. I always enjoy playing against my brother on five-a-side. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. fun. Mm. But but uh, I was really impressed with him actually, and um, a couple of other people I I know were too. I thought he was he was good. He showed a good range of passing, very sort of authoritative presence. That's I mean, good. We, we don't want to go too far the other way. You know, if you can't write him off after one game, let's not make him a star after one game either. But, mm. uh, but you liked what you saw. That's you know, yeah. you're, you're you're making a judgment on the ninety minutes. You're not saying that he's going to be, you know, the next whatever. Just he no. looked good in 90 minutes. That's all right. That's you it. can say that. We don't have to justify that. Okay, good. Well, yeah. that's that's kind of you. No, I, I did, and I thought he showed things that we sort of know already. Very uh, A willingness to come and pick the ball up off the back four. Mm. Um, a tendency to look for perhaps longer passes than we're used to seeing from deep midfield positions. You know, trying to pick out the wingers in behind the fullback early. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, that's going to bring some 
something something different and something interesting to our midfield. Excellent. Say. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Mesut Ozil, did you watch Germany last night? I didn't see it, but I did see his assist. Bits and bobs. There was an yeah. assist in there. I saw a nice screen grab. Uh, someone <laughs> someone said uh, of, of Arsenal Twitter, basically of Arsenal fans on Twitter when Germany scored. Obviously, Schweinsteiger got the goal, but it was just like person after person after person just tweeting, Ozil, Ozil, Ozil assist. <laughs> We've uh, we've really taken to to celebrating those moments, but it was a great pass. Yeah, yeah, what you would expect, I guess, from him. Sure, sure. So, anything else stick out in the tournament? Um, I'm just trying to think. Is there any any games we've overlooked? Uh, Wojciech Chesney played, didn't he? He's technically an Arsenal he man. Did yeah, yeah. Clean sheet against Clean sheet uh, Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, ba, 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 Turkey, Croatia. Wasn't much Arsenal interest there. I, I think that I think we've sort of mainly covered it off. Yeah. All right. Really think of anything else. It's been it's been a good start to the tournament though. Some good goals. Some good goals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hopefully now you know as it progresses, the football will uh, you know will dominate, and there'll be no more of the nonsense. Hopefully, uh, and we can just talk about how good the football is today. Of course, Spain. Uh, Hector Bellerin could be involved for Spain. Thomas Rosicky, uh, Petr Cech for the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ireland are playing Sweden. A game you should have been at. I know that'd be a really fascinating match actually. I'm, mm. I'm, how do you fancy Ireland's chances? Look, I suppose, um, yeah. I don't know, really, to be honest. Uh, they're always capable of a result. I wouldn't necessarily be confident of a win, but I think uh, I think they could get something from the game. So I have that as a draw today, Ireland versus uh, Sweden. I, uh, I was listening to, I think it was Five Live, and they were talking about how certain teams just have... You know, one kind of Galactico player could make the difference for them. Uh, they were talking about Croatia, I think, and Modric, obviously, at Real Madrid. Then mm. they mentioned Wales, um, Gareth Bale, obviously, the difference maker. And they were like, and have Ireland got that man? And the suggestion from the pundit was Shane Long. So. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, look, he's a profoundly irritating player to play against. That's certainly true. You know, I don't think Ireland have any real, real stars. That's for sure, um, but Shane Long, as we know, and we've seen it, uh, we've seen it um, At close against quarters. us. Yeah, you know that there was the game against Southampton. I know everyone looks at it as um, you know one of the real dark moments of last season, which it was from a result point of view. But there was also a bit of a bit of luck went Southampton's way. If you remember, one of the goals, I think Long tripped Koscielny off the ball. Yeah, I, I, that's I think right. It, I don't know whether he scored that goal or set it up or something, but. Um, you know, he's that kind of a player. So he's aggressive and he's strong. He's decent in the air. He's had a good season. I think he's had a good season. Um, so, yeah, but apart from that, there isn't really there isn't really anybody that is going to stand out and do something amazing. Um, but, you know, in international football, if you can form a cohesive team, that's sometimes the biggest challenge, you know, and that can be the most effective thing. Yeah. Guys, Greece won the Euros. Yeah, this is very true. This is very true. Um, Leicester won the league. Anything's possible. <laughs> you never know. And maybe Cyrus Christie will be the hero that Ireland never knew it needed. It's the hero Ireland deserves. Yes. All right, so that's that's the football. Oh, Belgium, Italy later on as well. So, yeah, that'll um, be good game. Yeah, that'll be quite good. So look, we need to talk about it. Oh, uh, dear. The, uh, the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on, then. Well, Jamie Vardy, right? Because this time last week we were talking about it as as if it was um, a done deal Imminent. or going to be a done deal. Certainly, yeah. Uh, and that was the feeling. That's what everybody thought. Uh, the mega jinx. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, what What do you make of it? What do you make of where it stands right now? Has time and a week to think about the prospect of Jamie Vardy as an Arsenal? Has it changed your mind any? Is Has the fact that he delayed his decision? I mean, did you see what Thierry Henry said? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, he sort of said, why do you have to think about it? It was basically the gist of it, wasn't it? Yeah, he was on BBC Five Live and he said something like, uh, he's 29 and Arsenal is coming for you and you're telling me you have to think about it? He's got this really high-pitched... Um... About as French as he's ever sounded and <laughs> yeah. Thierry's very French. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your thinking right now? Um, I have some... I'm actually, I think more than most, I'm relatively, I'm prepared to be quite patient about it because Mm -hmm. I kind of understand why it might not be going through straight away. I do think that 
you know, uh, I'm reminded of the situation, Tim Stillman mentioned it, uh, about Olivier Giroud, which was that he was heavily linked with the club in May and June of, I think it was 2012, but didn't actually end up signing until France were eliminated from the tournament uh, right, right at the end of June or early July. Mm. And uh, I do wonder if it might play out a similar way. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe he'll elect to stay with Leicester, but... My gut still says that he, he will join Arsenal. I think there are two things contributing to that. One is the fact that we're still seeing Leicester players coming out and Danny Simpson only yesterday was saying you know he hopes Vardy will stay. Not, nothing like, oh, I've had an indication that he will. And also I, I suspect that if Arsenal felt they stood to be embarrassed, I suspect they would distance themselves more than they have. Mm. I suspect we'd see something come out saying Arsenal have ended their interest in Jamie Vardy. Yeah. Um, they at least seem to believe it's worth, you know, remaining in the hunt, as it were. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a very difficult one, but I feel like there's a lot of guesswork that's gone on since the news of the bid broke. Um, you know, a lot of sort of uh, artificial deadlines have been set by the media and have been and gone. Um, and it's clear that we haven't ended our interest. So, I, go, I don't know. It's still still in the balance, I guess. But I'm actually relatively optimistic it, it will happen what, what about you what's your feeling about the whole thing are you do you think it's a, a bit of a joke you should have just done the deal what's your what's your position yeah I mean I kind of get yeah there's part of me that goes look you're Jamie Vardy you're 29 you've had a brilliant season at Leicester with all due respect to Leicester and credit to them for what they did but this is a chance to join Arsenal and it's mm. probably not a chance that if you decide to stay at Leicester next season no big Champions League club is going to come in and spend money on you because you're 30 years of age. So, I, you know, for me, uh, maybe he's not the smartest guy in the world, but I don't think he's necessarily stupid. So I'm sort of with you in the sense that I think it's going to go through. I still think it'll probably go through. Um, quite why the decision wasn't made by now or in that week I don't know maybe he felt just a little bit pressured or a bit put under a bit of pressure because of the way the story came out and then all of a sudden you know it's got to do I have to do this before I'm going off on the European Championships first time mm -hmm. at a major tournament with England doesn't want to be accused of being a distraction or anything like that so I think uh, I think it will probably go ahead I know you mentioned you know last week uh, about clauses in the Leicester contracts being quite complicated yeah you wonder if that's um, if that's part and parcel of it as well. Yeah. Um, there was a story, wasn't there, about Leicester bidding for, uh, was it Troy Deeney? Troy Deeney and Watford yeah. in turn bidding for Berahino, yeah. Yeah, you know, so the, it seems there's probably stuff going on. So it all becomes part of a, a merry-go-round to, to a certain extent. Um, I do wonder as well with Leicester, is there a slight sense of no one <laughs> no one necessarily wants him to be the first to jump ship? You know, yeah. Kante's got this release clause and heavily linked with likes of PSG, Chelsea, even Arsenal. Arsene Wenger, very complimentary about him. Um Although I have to say, having signed Shaka, I'd be very surprised if mm. there was anything to that. Yeah. Uh, and Riyad Mahrez, I think, was quoted yesterday saying, oh, maybe I'll stay, maybe I'll go, we'll see. One does get the feeling that it could be a bit of a domino effect. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, how do you feel about... So your, your gut still says that it will go through, but what do you feel about it as a signing with a week's perspective? Do you, do you still feel... Uh, positive about it? Do you feel concerned about it? What's your feeling there? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, um, I, I still hold true what I said last week. You know, I have reservations about it because of his age and because of the fact that this was a, you know, not that he's a one-season wonder, but because it's it's the only season he's really scored with any regularity in the Premier League. And there is part of me that does worry about it being, um, you know, a guy in a purple patch and, and maybe not one that he can continue. But I think we spoke last week, didn't we, about how Arsene Wenger was probably going to base his decision more uh, more than just on one season. So, yeah, maybe there's maybe there's you know more to it than we know. It is something different. It is something unusual. It is a change of tack from Arsene Wenger, and those were things that were exciting and uh, promising from last week. So, yeah, I haven't changed my mind on it 
significantly. And again, I'll come back to the prices being quoted for other strikers. I think it's because we want to invest throughout the squad. And I think he sees Vardy as a good, relatively short-term option, a player that could do a, you know, a good job for a couple of seasons, maybe have a third season where he contributes um, and a new man or whoever comes along at that point uh, or who might be in charge at that point can, can deal with that striking issue um, down the line. But yeah, I, I haven't really changed my mind on it a great deal. I'm not that fussed about the weight either. You know, there's plenty of time to sort things out between now and the, and the end of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, th- there is an element of like now. I want it now when it comes to transfers. But, you know, yeah, we've got time. And there are no and there are no deals happening, you know, with any player involved in the Euros, that's for sure. So you've just got to kind of sit that out. Yeah, even Zlatan was refused permission to go and uh, to go and travel to uh, to Manchester. Apparently, even really Zlatan, like even yeah. Zlatan. Yeah. So there we have it. All right. Okay. Well, uh, that'll take us to the end of part one, I think. So we'll uh, we'll take a short break. Come back with some of your questions in part two after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter at Arseblog and at Gunnerblog. The drilling, there's no drilling. No, but there is no drilling, but there may be drilling. Yes. Who knows? There's some drilling happening outside. It's nothing to do with me, guys, I assure you. I don't even own a drill. Yeah, I have a drill, but I'm really crap at DIY. I'm really, really terrible at DIY. To be fair, I don't know if you've got this sort of drill. This is the sort of pneumatic going through tarmac drill. No, I don't have one of those. I've got like a Black & Decker for putting up mirrors and hanging sure. pictures and that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the vibe. Yeah. But good luck getting through a road with it. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I have no real need to drill into a road. True. True. All That's right. lucky yeah. in that case. Okay, well, look, we're going to do some questions. We're sort of short on, on questions, I think, really. Um, no one trusts us anymore after the Jamie Vardy debacle. Yeah, this is it. This is it. People are lost their faith. Yeah, exactly. There's not much going on in the world of Arsenal, you see. So um, there really isn't very much going on. Deathly quiet. In the world of Arsenal. But look, I'm going to start with this one uh, from Gunnar Punner, at Gunnar Punner. And he says, should Arsene Wenger take a page out of Yogi Love's book? book even, and be more prepared to make tactical adjustments during the game? Yes, that was a curious... Well, not curious at all. I mean, you know... It was really weird. Well, he's only human. I mean, you know, I I can understand, you know, if he was uncomfortable seeking to... I assume everyone knows what we're talking about here, right? Shall we attempt to set the scene? Yeah, well, yeah, you you set the scene there. I'll set the scene. So... I actually didn't see this live, but there's a clip doing the rounds on the internet of Yogi Love, the Germany coach, uh, yeah, readjusting during the course of the game. Basically, goes hands down his pants. Hands down his pants. Just, you know, make check in. Do always check, guys. Check for lumps. Get sensible. Maybe not in front of the eyes of the camera, but, you know, take no risks. And he does that. Job, job complete and returns to his seat. But it's what transpires then that I think is most troubling, mm. embarrassing. Yeah, he's, he sort of takes the hand that was checking for lumps mm. and then brings it to his face and sort of 
sort of smears it on his face and I don't know if he's having a sniff or a taste or whatever it, it is. It looks to me like a sniff. Do you think there might have been just a little bit of, you know, behind the hand, like, taste? A little tongue sticking out like a like a small lizard? Oh, God. I hope not. He, he He's just a man who has the haircut of a deviant, that's for sure. Mm. He, he <laughs> Like the bowler. Yeah, it, I, I imagine... He's the sort of man who I imagine has a sort of sex dungeon in his house, yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with that, though? I mean, there's nothing wrong, per se, with a, with having a sex now, dungeon, no, if that's what you're co- into. No, there's, oh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But he, he just... I don't know how to describe it. There is a... There's a side to yoga. Now, whether or not that correlates with him sniffing or tasting his hand after this... I mean, maybe he's just concerned. Maybe he's got a developing medical condition... Uh, and he's just checking on the mm. status of it. Mm. I don't know. Let me ask you this question. Here's oh, a question. Gosh. What's this question going to be? Oh, well, look, let's say you have an itch on your arm. Yeah. What do you do? Scratch it. Right, got an itch on your head. What do you do? Scratch it. All right, got an itch on your leg. What do you do? Scratch it. All right. It doesn't matter if anyone sees you scratching your leg or your arm or your head because you've got an itch there, and the natural thing to do is, is scratch it. Correct. So what if you have, like, an itch... On your bum, or you have an itch, you know, sort of in the in the groinal, you know, the the moist area of the groin. What, what what's why, why is there a stigma about scratching that particular area? You're not doing it for pleasure, probably. You're doing it because it's itchy, and you should be allowed to scratch your itch wherever it is. That's what I'm saying. So far, I'm with you. Yeah, but if you scratch your itch on your arm, mm-hmm. are you then smelling and tasting that scratch? No, no, that's that's the key difference here, isn't it? That's where the line is. Yeah. That's yeah. where Yogi's line ought to have been. Yeah, the Yogi line. It's quite impressive. I mean, I think even if I was a football manager, even if I was engrossed in the game, I think I'd still feel self-conscious mm. about being in front of A, 60,000 people, and B, the world's cameras. But he clearly just wasn't bothered. Yeah, didn't give a shit, did he? It was like hands straight down there, had a good rummage around, sat back down. Maybe picked his nose. There's some suggestion he might also have picked his nose. Fair play to him. He's, he's, maybe he's just not giving a fuck. He's reached, he's crossed the yogi line into the low country now. He just I mean, doesn't, this, he doesn't care. This is a man who has been linked, uh, we say, with um, the Arsenal job at some yeah. point in the future. How does this make you feel? Does this make you feel like he's a better or worse candidate? Any, any impact on your decision there? Um... Well, I kind of admire it. I admire that. That willingness to just not give a shit. Mm. Put his hands down his pants, had a good sniff, perhaps a taste. Does it, you know, what's wrong with that? Apart from it's quite wrong, but apart from that, what's wrong with it? I mean, I to be fair, like, I chew my nails and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, I'm a bit of a nail biter. I actually, I eat the, sometimes eat the skin around... My fingers as well. So I'm a self-cannibal. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe... We all have our things. I mean, Andrew Allen of, of Ask Blog News fame asks, would you think more or less of Arsene Wenger if he took to sniffing his balls on the touchline? I, I would think less of Arsene Wenger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But only because, and I'm not saying I've thought about this in any significant way, I, I, I just imagine that... Arsene Wenger's balls are are probably, you know, they're they're well looked after, in the sense that yeah. they, you know, he would go out before a game, meticulous preparation. He'd make sure that you know use a bit of talc, powder them up a bit so they don't get sweaty and itchy during a game. That that's sure. your that's your commitment to your team, to your focus. The ninety minutes, you don't want to be distracted by your balls. Nobody wants True. that. So I would think, I, you know, after 20 years of Arsene Wenger never having checked his balls, for him to go out and start, like, playing with them during a game. Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly, exactly. Yeah. That would be a game. That would, that would yeah. throw you. I mean, that would be basically it for me and Arsene Wenger. That would be the end of it. Couldn't Everyone's got, everyone's yeah. got their line, haven't they? Yeah. Everyone's got their point where the, the straw will break the camel's back and that yeah. would be yours. So, yeah, for, for, from an Arsene Wenger point of view, yes. But, you know, I'm not, I don't know about Yogi Love as, a, as, a, as an Arsenal manager. Who did he manage before Germany? Because I can only picture him as the manager of Germany. 
Like not a club I manager? I don't know. I think he was Klinsman's assistant, certainly, during his reign. Right. Teams managed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a... It's not a storied list. So it's Stuttgart, Fenerbahce, Karl Ruhl, Adana Spor, FC Tyrol, Austria VN. And he went from Austria VN to Germany as assistant and right. took over. Okay. Um, so there you go. So it's not exactly laced with top clubs. No. Um, and the likes of Fenerbahce, uh, he was only there for one season. Right. Stuttgart only two years, so yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it felt more probable when we had a stronger German contingent. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I feel like that's dissipated slightly now. Yeah, maybe we'll have some more German speakers in, though. You never know. You never know. Oh, uh, absurdist, by the way, at Yo Yoi, uh, he said, uh, "Has world football reached a new low?" Hey, boom! Very nice. Um, should we have another question? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, okay, well, Sweden are playing today. Alexander Blom, who's at Nicky Northman, asks, who's the best Swede in Arsenal history? Freddie, Limpar, Schwartz, or anyone else? Seb Larsson. Seb Larsson. I have to say... Look, he takes a lovely set piece. I wish he was taking England's corners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got to be Limpar. I love Freddie. I love Freddie. But there was just something so exciting about Anders Limpar, wasn't there? Just so exciting. I do you know what? He's slightly... He's too, slightly just about too early for me to really remember Limpar right. as a top player. Right. I just, yeah. I, yeah. I remember him at Everton more. I didn't really remember him at Arsenal. Well, here's a, here's a, here's a tale of heartbreak for you, James, right? Here's okay. a tale. This was in the days before the internet. Before the internet was even a thing. Hmm. We're talking, I think, probably 1994. So it was probably a thing, but it was called the ARPANET, or it was like one of those. Yeah. It was in its early stages. Rudimentary. Yeah, there was no WWW. We didn't have any way of finding out information except from like newspapers and the wow. radio and television. It was bizarre and strange and slightly comforting when I think about it now. It sounds awful. <laughs> anyway, at the time, I was working for a pirate radio station in Dublin called KISS FM. Lovely. I used to do the breakfast show from 7 in the morning until 10. And I'd get up every morning, cycle down to the studio, which is not far from where I live right now, and we would play hot hits Top 40, chart music, and we'd have some fun on the radio. I remember the big tune that summer was Wigfield, Saturday Night. Of course. Just going to throw in a clip of it here just to remind people and also so it's stuck in their heads for the rest of the day. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, we would get the newspapers. So I go into the shop next door. Some top quality drilling going on there. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, just adding a little bit of subtle ambience to the story, a bit of background atmosphere. Yeah. I could be mixing things up here. But anyway, I remember going to the shop one morning and getting the newspaper so you get like the tabloid so you could find, you know, the funny bits that you could talk about on the radio about, you know. Sure. How I remember the radio. You remember I remember that. the radio. I know pe how it works. People, you know, man 38 puts goldfish up his bum and then goes to, you know, hospital, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And you'd make some goldfish related jokes and probably some jokes about bombs because I get know, it I get it it's quite similar anyway. to a podcast really. yes it is um <laughs> so uh looking at the paper one morning and I turn over I turn over the paper to the back page the back page of the newspaper and I look James and I see a picture that to this day it, it haunts me <laughs> to this very day really there standing holding an Everton shirt is Anders Limpar. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Well, I mean, <laughs> hang on. This, as we recall, is pre-internet day, so there was nobody ITK. There, there was, was no chatter about it. There was it. no chatter. No whispers. No, not as far as, well, certainly not when you lived in Dublin, maybe. Yeah. Around the, the Holloway Road, perhaps. There might have been the odd uh, the, the odd on tale. the Caledonian Road. The exactly. Toy, yeah. exactly. 
that could have been a wash with Limpar to Everton talk. But no, in Dublin, no. And I turned over and there, it could have it was the back page of the Sun or the back page of the Mirror, the Enders Limpar wearing an Everton shirt. And I was just so depressed. You just instantly vomited all over the newspaper. Yeah. Like shock. Ah, I was like, this is terrible. What the fuck are you doing? The Enders Limpar? And... What? Why? He's brilliant. He's really good. He's fast. Look, I know he doesn't tackle and track back as much as you might like George Graham, but he's really, you know, good at football and uh, running fast and scoring goals and, you know, being exciting and good. And I liked him. I loved him. And then he was, and then he was gone. He was taken, snatched away from you. Taken from us. So I, I still have this soft spot for Anders Limpar. So for me... As much as I love Freddie, and I do love Freddie, and obviously because of Ars blog, it's fucking excellent. That was a Freddie thing. Mm-hmm. I owe Freddie. I owe Freddie a lot. If he's listening, Freddie, you name it, I'm there for you, man. I'll do it. You know, like if you'd like a whole Black Forest Gatto, I will. I will make one for him. I won't just go to the shop and buy it. I'll make him a Black Forest Gatto for the it's fucking excellent thing. But for I me, I can't make him one, but I'll buy him one. That's reasonable. Thanks. I'm not I'll saying buy that, it from you, and then everyone's yeah. one. <laughs> well, I'm not saying my Black Forest candle would be any good. I've never right. made one. I've never okay. made one. But, but you would. I would you... try. I'd really okay. try very hard. I put a counts. lot of effort into it. I get like really good eggs for for the spongy bit. You know. Yeah. I wouldn't just get like eagle eggs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no. For me, for me, Anders Limpar. What about you? Well, for the reason I outlined that I don't necessarily remember Limpar as an Arsenal player that well, I would have to say Freddie, because I adored him. You know, he had red hair. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Extraordinary decision. But uh, he was a gutsy player and a charismatic player. And, you know, we lost Ian Wright. And, you know, a couple of years later, Freddie came along and had that number eight shirt. And yeah. to be honest, had some of those similar characteristics on the field. You know, that knack for goals, that exuberant personality. And uh, he kind of filled the void for me. Yeah. Little, so, yeah. Yeah, I'd go with Freddie. Oh, I love Freddie too. Sorry, Sebastian fun. Larson and Stefan Schwartz and all the other Swedes who yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Rami Shaban. <laughs> yeah, God, poor Rami. Poor old um, Rami. He was a Swedish Egyptian, wasn't he? Swedish Egyptian. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I guess uh, Mohamed Al Neni's kind of a Swedish Egyptian, you know, because he was in Switzerland, wasn't he? He's <laughs> <laughs> He's our second Swigyptian player. Swigyptian. Is there a difference between a Swigyptian and a Swigyptian? That's yeah, the thing. it's like Juru and Juru. We need to yeah. nail down the pronunciation on that one. Yes. Um, all right. We're looking for another question, aren't we? We are looking for one. David McNamara at DVDMCN. Oh, yeah. He says, do you reckon Vardy being benched on Saturday might make him think he needs to be playing for a big club to start for... Hashtag England, and it's got the England emoji, which is a round ball with a with a red cross on it. The roundest ball like, ever, yeah, with I've, the reddest cross ever on it. Yeah, I am. Um, I actually did wonder about that. You know, I mean, I think obviously the reasons he's been left out are strategic. I don't think there's any suggestion that the the transfer saga has impacted upon Hudson's thinking. Mm. But I do wonder if that might play into his thoughts. You know, he must feel. A little bit unlucky to not be starting. And now I do wonder if he thinks, well, if I was playing for a Champions League club, like, say, Raheem Sterling, who's been, frankly, rubbish all season, mm. would things be different? Well, if he was uh, playing for Tottenham, he'd definitely be starting. Yeah, because that's, that's pretty much true. all you need to play for England is just be a Tottenham player. Imagine being an English Tottenham player who's not in the squad. You know, how bad must you be? Who are there? Are there, are there any? Ryan Mason, I guess. Right, uh, OK, yeah. That's the kind of level. Well, he can't about. fucking... Nah, even... <laughs> He can't complain. No, so there we go. Um, I don't know. I think that might be a factor. I mean, definitely if he wants to keep his international place. Unfortunately, you know, history suggests uh, that if you join a big club, your chances of doing that are significantly better. The only thing that I think is a bit of a shame is that there aren't more Arsenal players in the squad, <laughs> you know, for it for to hang out with him. It's kind yeah. of it's quite an Arsenal bereft squad. Only Jack Wilshere there. But in if fairness, had, in fairness. Do you not think that, like, Wilshire and Vardy... They're an obvious pairing, aren't they? They are. They are. Soulmates. Yeah, I mean, like, Wilshire's just selling him nightclub antics, scraps, yeah. 
we could go they hide. Bro- they broke out of the hotel, didn't they, to join in a ruckus in yeah. Marseille, I yeah. suspect. <laughs> we can go hide in bins together, Jamie. Come on, you'll love it. It'll be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Jack's doing... Uh, you know the Lord's work on it. Mm. What do you reckon? Do you think it will have any impact on international fortunes? Maybe depends if he gets on. You know, in the next uh, in the next couple of games, I was I sort of surprised. Put him on, certainly yeah. against Russia. I was sort of surprised that after going one nil up, he didn't really have a go. Like put on another striker, yeah, and have another go. Sterling was pretty bad as well. I he thought, was Walcottian in his yeah. badness. <laughs> he was. I mean, it was it was it was like watching Aaron Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> it was like watching Aaron Lennon's Love Child with Andros Townsend. Oof, dear. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so I think Vardy... I mean, to be honest, I was even thinking maybe bring Vardy on for Kane because Kane had sort of drifted in out of the game and mm. I just thought that pace on the break, as Russia were forced to come out, would have given England something, you know. But yeah. Hodgson was a, a little bit conservative, I thought, with his subs. Mm. All right. Question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm, what have I got? What mm. have I got in my pot? Okay, this one comes from Stanley Rudkin. I like that name. At Stanley Rudkin. I like his name as well. Yeah, he sounds like a character from a 1930s book. And his bio, his Twitter bio says, Every silver lining belongs to a cloud. Oh, that's quite, quite poetic. Yeah. Quite, quite depressing, really. Um, <laughs> and he asks, if you had to, right? I don't like these yeah, ones. Yeah, strong start. Wow. No, it's not that bad. If you had to put Gunnosaurus in the Arsenal starting eleven, what position would you play him? Well, I wouldn't put him in goal because I've seen him at halftime. And there are like... Against children. Children, like three-year-olds who kick the ball and his reaction times are frankly embarrassing. Just absolutely yeah. embarrassing. Okay. So he wouldn't go in goal. I'm just trying to think of that thing. You know, if you're playing football um, and you've got one guy who's, like, really, really bad? Yeah, I mean, I am that guy, so yeah, carry on. (laughs) And you go, where where can we play him where he causes the least hassle? Left back. That's where I played. (laughs) I think up front... I yeah, think I'm I know what you he's mean. Further away, he doesn't get involved. He yeah, could, he could be quite a good decoy as well. Do get you mean the Sonogo effect? <laughs> maybe, maybe. That's kind of what we did against Hull in the Cup final. It's like you know, we don't know what he does, but he might cause chaos. Yeah, just get him on there and run around. So yeah, I think keep him as far away from the. But he's not mobile, Gunnarsson. Don't know if you've ever seen him sprint, but I mean. He, he has a tendency to fall over his own He'll feet, He'll make sure he looks sprightly, I suspect. Yeah. No, I still think up front, I mean, you can't play him on the wings because people just go past him. He's got no pace to do anything. Central midfield, I mean, could he be Could he be like the, the Mauro Silva of of Arsenal? I don't know if you remember him. He used to, I think it was I Mauro do. Silva. He used to play for Deportivo, Deportivo La Coruña. lovely team, yeah. He was brilliant. I mean, he was about 46, I think. Yeah. And... All he did was just sort of operate in a semicircle, just just ahead of his back four, and he would just tackle and pass and move and get the ball back. And he was great. So maybe he could be our Mauro Silva. Okay, okay, that's an option. I think number nine. I think you know, there's a, there's a vacancy in the squad for a number nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would distract defenders enough. I mean, he's certainly got height to him, hasn't he? Gunasaurus yeah. must be well over six foot tall. Mm. Yeah. Is uh, he a threat of set pieces? Sure. Um, but he wouldn't be good at free kicks. I mean, you remember Arsene Wenger spoke about Mikel Arteta having those dainty feet that were good for free kicks, and, and Gunasaurus, is, his feet are... Ginormous. Yeah, they are. They're, they're Canu-esque. They are Canu-esque. But, you know, have we found, have we unearthed the new Canu? No. I don't know. No. No. No, we haven't. But if we had to play him, yeah. I'd be using him as a, a focal point at the, at, the, at the, you know, as the spearhead of the attack. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's one from Dean at D to the C. And he nice. says, rumour has it, this must be the whispers, this is the post-internet uh, chatter that we spoke about a bit earlier. Mm. Rumour has it. Rumour has it. The Liverpool are in for Theo Walcott. And he says, if Vardy is a no-go, 
Would you consider a Benteke swap? Um, I don't think so, actually. Mm. I'd tell you for why. Because I'm not sure that Benteke is sufficiently different or better than, than Giroud right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think we need a striker who provides great contrast mm. than that. What about you? Not in a fucking million years. Really? No. Did you not think Benteke looked promising during his time at Villa? Because I, I, I thought he should definitely showed something then. I remember on the day of the FA Cup final against Aston Villa, people were worried about Benteke. Yeah. People were talking, ooh, fucking Benteke. Ooh, Benteke is so fast and strong. And Mertesacker, you know, ooh, people were, you know. And maybe that was just the anxiousness of going into an FA Cup final, you know, the doomsday scenario stuff. But on that day... He was, like, beyond useless. He was absolutely rubbish. And, yeah, I think I think uh, if we are going to move Theo Walcott on, I demand fiscal rectitude. I want, I want money for Walcott. I don't want to swap him. I want yeah. actual money that we can then take and buy uh, a, a good player with. I don't think it's right or proper for any of us to have... Uh, uh, you know, um, I won't say endured Theo Walcott for all these years, but I think after 10 years at the club, you know, we're due a little return from a financial point of view. So I wouldn't swap him for Ben Teke. I agree with you that he's not any better than, than Giroud. In fact, I think he's probably quite worse than Giroud. The odd, you know, spectacular overhead kick uh, goal aside, um, you know, he doesn't even play for Liverpool. Who have Liverpool got up for? Who, who do Liverpool play up front? Like Daniel Sturridge, who's got, no, Sturridge, yeah, who's got uh, one leg. And who, Origi. Who, yeah, Origi. Origi, I ask you. Divock. I, I think, yeah, Divock. I like his name. Yeah. It sounds Divock like a Scouse insult, doesn't it? You fucking Divock. Yeah. You're a Divock. <laughs> it does a bit. And also, I think one of the advantages of Sonny Vardy is that he's a player who at least would be arriving kind of at the peak of his confidence. It feels like if you've bought Benteke you'd have to rehab him you know because mm. he had such a difficult time at Liverpool and I'm not sure that's what we, what we want to get involved Do with. you ever wonder why football clubs don't hypnotise players into believing they're better than they actually are Genuinely I do wonder about that Yeah I've never had hypnosis but I have thought about doing it because you know it, it seems intriguing doesn't it I mean I'd yeah, have you ever been hypnotised? No, I haven't. I wouldn't ever let anyone do it to me in case they really? turn me into some kind of Manchurian candidate, you know? Yeah, where that is the, the worry. There's like a trigger phrase and like someone <laughs> will say it like 15 years down the line, I'll get a phone call and, uh, you know, someone will just say, George Best down the phone and that will be my cue to go <laughs> and then I'll have to go off and kill the President of the United States or something like that. Sure, I know how it so works. So that's yeah. why I'm, I'm very... Maybe it's just my paranoia. Maybe I'm being overly, overly cautious here. But no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it be done to me. I've never needed it. You know, I know some people use it for giving up smoking, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, people who have literally no willpower. Um, those people use it to, to give up smoking. Uh, I know people uh, get some benefit from uh, hypnotherapy and, and what have you. I've got a friend who actually does it. Oh, really? They practice it? Yeah, look into my eyes, look into my eyes, look at all that. Wow. Uh, with his watch, he's got a gold pocket watch, just waves it back and forth. Just... Uh, but no, I, I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't like it. And I certainly wouldn't want to be do it as part of a stage show. You know those people who do it as a stage show? Oh, and then they God, go up on stage no. and, oh, you're a chicken. And then you quack around like a chicken. No, who who needs to do that? So no. It's not very dignified, is it? No. No. And I'm not a chicken. I'm a man. With feelings. I'm a man, goddammit. <laughs> Have you got one more? I haven't, actually. I'm, I'm out. I mean, we're quite low on questions today. I think everyone's distracted, aren't they, by yeah. the Euros? Okay, we've got one more, then. This one comes Go from on, David Maloney. And All he right. says, Would you rather have eyelids that go clang a lang a lang a lang a lang really loudly upon falling asleep, or okay. woo-woo-woo-woo when you wake up? Well, definitely woo-woo-woo when I wake up. Yeah. Because at least I can get to sleep that way. It's in a, in a way that's just a built-in alarm clock but system. Do you not then lock yourself into a vicious circle? Because the minute you go asleep, they go clang, 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 and then you wake yourself up, and they go woo, woo, woo. So you're just constantly making noise. 
Hang on. I thought it was I'm choosing one or the other. True. I was just trying to complicate things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the clang a lang a lang because then you'd never get to sleep, right? Right. Every time you just were drifting off and your eyes close, bang, you're awake again. Wouldn't That's you get, torture. Wouldn't you get used to it? You might do, but if you're saying to me I cannot have it, but have the woo woo woo, right? Obviously, I'm going woo woo woo. Right. I'm going to woo because also that means when I wake up, it will sort of force me to get up. I'll be more productive. But don't worry, I can have a nap later, and then when I wake up, woo woo woo, off we go again. Yeah, it would be. It would be like having an alarm clock in your eyes. That's exactly what it would be. What kind of speakers? What what sort but, of would you'd have to get something done to your eyelids? Then. Can the people around you hear the woo woo woo? I guess. That's unfortunate, isn't it? Or maybe it's just in your head, yeah. Maybe it's just in your head. I think maybe it's just in your head. And everyone's like, why is he so grumpy when he wakes up? And then people have to explain, oh, it's because of the woo-woo-woo. Yeah, his woo-wee eyelids. He's got these woo-woo-woo eyes, yeah. Yeah. But I would definitely choose that over the clang-a-lang-a-lang. Honestly, there's no money in the world for which I'm choosing clang-a-lang-a-lang. Fair enough. I think it's the only obvious choice. Great. Yeah. Thanks very much for the question, though. Since it's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, certainly a thinker, one to think about. I'll yep. carry that with me the you, rest you of the do. day. Ne- next time I fall asleep, I'll be thinking about that. Yeah. Next time you fall asleep, next time you're just about to fall asleep, actually tonight, just as you're about to fall asleep. Let me ask you a question. Go on. Are you a part, do you fall asleep or do you have to consciously go to sleep? I have to go to sleep, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Falling asleep implies it's all by accident. Yeah, or you're or reading a book. On you. Yeah, you're reading a book and your eyes get tired and then you go... No, I that doesn't happen no, to me ever. I have to put my book down, turn off the light, then lie there and go, mm, you know, go to sleep. Try to sleep. I yeah. have to try to sleep. Yeah. So tonight, James, as you turn off the light, turn over. clang a lang a lang a lang a lang a lang lang Oh, God. It's just going to go through your head. It's a curse. Every, a every, curse just, just, just as you're about to go to sleep, you'll be like, oh, here I go, here I go, counting sheep, counting sheep. You're going to be so tired destiny. tomorrow. I'm going to be furious. <laughs> All right. Well, um, happy continued Euros to you. Yes, and to, to, to everyone, really. Mm. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, unless something remarkable happens this week, um, from an Arsenal point of view, we'll catch you on next week's Arscast Extra. So until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.